Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm John Norman alongside Steve Harmison and the cricketers George DeBell and Nick Friend, bringing you following on County Cricketer. You're listening to TalkSport 2 or via the following on podcast. Whichever way, thanks for joining us. It's going to be another busy one because uh, despite that poor weather that got in the way of uh, most of the matches, it didn't prevent some ridiculously close finishes in the county championship this week. We're going to be reflecting on all of that. Only one result possible. That was uh, a big win for Warwickshire, who, uh, who doled out a thrashing to Hampshire. Uh, Chris Rushworth taking seven for uh, he was a guest of the Cricket Collective earlier this week. So listen back to that. But full reaction to come on the show. Uh, draws everywhere else, but some truly nail-biting finishes uh, at Chelmsford, where Essex ran Surrey really close at Headingley, where Yorkshire survived nine down, as well as at the county ground at Leicestershire. Fighting back impressively there, and beaten run continues. Uh, there was also a debut for Sussex. You might have heard about this. Um, Steve Smith. Uh, well, anyway, he made a debut for Sussex. There was a bag full of wickets for Ollie Robinson. And there was also another close finish at Trent Bridge. So plenty to talk about on the show this week. You're listening to Following On County Cricketer, thanks to Talk Sport 2, in partnership with The Cricketer. Well, it's not often we start a show New Road, but there were, uh, there were plenty of moments, weren't there, guys? George, Nick, Harmy, uh, great to have you uh, on the show as ever. Uh, New Road, um, who, whose moment of the week was uh, the dismissal of Steve Smith? It should actually, as patriotic England fans, it should be all of our moment of the week, Steve Smith getting up for 30. Nick, I forgot, was it you? Was, was that your moment of the week or was it George? It wasn't he, me. It, it was me, actually, because, um, well, for lots of reasons. I mean, what I think I, I chose... Josh Tung is the player a player to watch this season, so that was pleasing. But I think more than anything, his, just, his celebrations were just so joyful. And this is a guy, yeah, who who was really close to retirement because of uh, injury, uh, and it was a bit of a punt, really, um, that uh, caused him to have treatment to get better. Anyway, a long story, but he really has been close to the brink of the game, and to see him uh, get Steve Smith out and celebrate like he did. 
was absolutely terrific. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, obviously been shared many times on social media. It was a, a big moment in the game. Um, Nick, uh, there were uh, there were some other moments uh, in that match as well. I mean, my moment of the week, Ollie Robinson. There's not too many bowlers in the game that take seven for 59 in first innings and then get better figures in the second innings. And still there? don't win. And still don't win. I mean, the weather... The weather's been appalling. I think I read that Essex have lost an entire four days worth, four day games worth of overs to the weather so far this, uh, well, this think, season. I think Gloucestershire would kill for that. I think Gloucestershire have lost eight days. They've lost almost 800 overs this season, which is more than twice what they lost in the entirety of last season. Yeah, it's not been, so, it's not been great, is it? It might have off for four days, I think. 12 out of 16. No, it's not been great, is it? But um, no, you want Ollie Robinson... He's obviously very good. I don't think that surprised anyone. But I think what was this on a really granular level from a Sussex perspective, actually, was that obviously Steve Smith coming in meant that Nathan McAndrew didn't play, having taken two fives in three games, um, and effectively been probably their big difference this season. You know, Pujara scored runs, I mean, almost interminably over the last two years. But the one thing that Sussex that stopped Sussex winning games last season was was taking wickets. I think Sean Hunt, the most for them all year with 19, I think, which was, I think, 11 fewest than like than the next county's highest wicket taker, if that makes sense. So to have to have found it overseas and then couldn't play for three weeks because you brought in Steve Smith and Pujara meant, I, I guess, A, was a lovely way of bringing, you know, sort of easing Ollie Robinson back in, but also meant that there was sort of a bit of pressure on him to, to do what he did. And yes, fair play. I mean, 14 wickets in... What was it? Forty or overs that he bowled in the match, which is another really good side for England. I mean, you know, the, I think we're well past this now, certainly with what he did in Pakistan. But you know, when people were talking about his fitness, it was never his ability to bowl; it was his ability to, to sustain that through games and to go seven for seven for and bowl forty overs in the game, albeit with the odd rain delay in between. Really valuable exercise, I suspect, for all for all parties. I mean, as Rally will know, he's played pretty well for hundred against him, and, and likewise, the Worcester lads will will know there's probably not a better seam bowler. On the circuit, at the, on the counter circuit at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was fantastic to see, and I suppose he's got his own story to write, really, isn't he? After all that criticism uh, in Australia for the last Ashes. I mean, Harmy, we've spoken about Robinson a lot, but it's, it is a little bit ridiculous that of all of uh, England's fast bowling options, you almost imagine Robinson is in some ways the first name on the team sheet now. Uh, certainly, in terms of playing all five. I guess he will play all five if his fitness is is up there. How did how did you assess how he went? And give us your moments of the week. Yeah, I thought he bowled brilliantly. I thought you know his first innings, his length, first innings, the way he bowled. I think were test match lengths, and he, he got quite a few playing misses, which against better players he got a chance of a, of a nick. Um, and when you have that, sometimes a bowler you do get frustrated, and then you go round a park because all of a sudden you're thinking especially when you're coming down a level, you're going, well, they can't hit me good balls. So then you go and chase it and you bowl that little bit fuller, you bowl that little bit shorter and they can hit them, so they belt them. And then your confidence gets dented a little bit. But for me, the sign of a top bowler, a good bowler, you know, McGrath used to do it perfectly. You could hold length, but then you could just go that little bit straighter to make sure the batsman played it, make sure they hit it. And that's what Robinson did in that first innings. I thought Steve Smith was an absolute shocker. The moments of the week's got to be the umpire who give it for me because that was a shocker. It wasn't in another set down the leg side or over the top. Um, so I'm sure 
when Smith realizes that not all I mean, not all umpires are going to give decisions like that in England because I think if DRS would have just laughed at it when it come to it. But my moments of the week, you know, Manus Labashin looks as always in he's in fine touch. I could have gone for him. I'm going to go a young lad who for, I first seen him two years ago, two three years ago, playing for Warwickshire. I think he was 18 years old at the time, or 17. He might have even been 17 years old at the time, and that was Henry Brooks. And he he threw his left arm in the air. He bowled at decent pace. I looked at it and thought, there was somebody 20 odd years ago bowled a bit like that. And he he hit the deck hard. Um, and then he's had a, a whole host of, of of injuries. And he's now gone on loan because Warwickshire got a fantastic bowling attack. And he's gone on loan first game at Derbyshire. And he's got six for 20. And he and he and I watched him bowl. And he bowled beautifully. He bowled aggressively into length. So he is somebody I think has a, a big future in the game if he can stay fit so it's not a massive moment of the week but just to see a young player come back from injury go out of his comfort zone to a different club and want to try and get into the you know the, the Warwickshire team and get six for on your debut good on you Henry well talking about moving clubs uh, Chris Rushworth is uh, is your moment of the week isn't he Nick uh, he was actually on the cricket collective this week with Harmy and Neil Manthorpe so uh uh, download that. So that that was uh, available on Tuesday. But yeah, bowling at your new club to a, to a big win over Hampshire, seven for thirty eight. Again, he's he's just he's not going to play for England. He's he's at the other end of his career, but uh, impressive nonetheless, Nick. Yeah, I just I just really like Chris Rushworth. I just think it's a really, you know, it was you have to play Division Two cricket since twenty sixteen, and then I think anyone who played against him would have known that he was you know that he could. Come up a division and take wickets fine, but I guess there's there is probably, you know, you look at a deal like that. I think it's two years with a third deal and performance related uh, with a third year performance related, and you know, wonder maybe whether you know some people sure looked at that and wondered where the logic was and see why we've got a lot of seamers. But um, yeah, I just need to see him leave Durham where he'd obviously taken so many wickets and just to sort of slip into the same role at a new county and basically go and bundle out, you know, a side who had perennially challenging for the title was um. I just thought it was really cool. I mean, I think I think he averages ten at the AGS Bowl, which is better than anywhere else in the country. And what were they? I mean, Hampshire were twenty six for one and thirty five for nine or something, weren't they? Which isn't going to win you many games. But I just, yeah, I just love watching him bowl. He's he's not he's not that dissimilar to to Robinson, really, isn't it? In, the, in the way that he goes about things, certainly bowling pretty straight, looking to nip it, you know, both ways, and, and also not bowling much rubbish as well. But he's a really cool story. I mean, you know, that I'm sure Army can tell better than I can, but. You know, going back to when he was first released by Durham and came back into the game and, and then, you know, being part of the championship wins, but then also sticking around after other guys left in the aftermath of the financial stuff. And, you know, who knows why he's actually left this winter, but actually to have, to come and have a sort of a, that last one song at, yeah, at a higher level, as it were. Having been one guy who'd put your know, life on <laughs> being a one, being a one county man. Yeah, I just, think, I just think it's really nice to see him do well, to be honest. And yeah, sort of spearheading a, or helping spearhead a very strong Warwickshire side. They actually look at, I know we discussed their sort of winter activity a lot in the last few weeks on here, but I know they were well beaten by Surrey, but they look a really good side. Well, let's hear a little bit from Chris Rushworth, who was on with uh, Steve Harmison and Neil Manthorpe a couple of days ago. Like Harm says, as a bowler, you know when things are going well. That's, you just feel like it comes out the hand perfect. Everything you try just seems to work. I'll be honest, it's been a while since I bowled a spell like that, so it kind of felt like I rolled back the ears a little bit. Um, but it was just one of those days where, you know, it, it came out um, exactly how I wanted it to and, and the lads behind the stumps caught them. So that was Chris Rushworth on with uh, Harmy and uh, Manners. And of course, uh, Harmy, 
uh, a bowler you know particularly well. How, how did he come across in the interview as, as well as ever, I imagine? Well, as well as ever, but I think he's, he was, not only was he celebrating his, his seventh for and his, his good start to a new county, his team Sunderland were in the playoffs on a, a very, very good day at the end of the championship. So I think he was a little bit ropey this morning when we uh, when we first spoke to him, but nonetheless, he was in good form. And yeah, I take what Nick said, he's, it's always hard to to move counties. So to hit the ground run as, as well as he did, he, he was wonderful for Durham. And he probably he probably should have been a a one club man because he, he did hang around. But you know, circumstances are that he he wanted to go and challenge himself in the first division, and and good luck to him. And he did say on interview, this is as good a bowling attack as he's ever played with. With I mean, the likes of you know Chris Chris Wokes, and he, he bigged up Chris Wokes throughout the uh, the chat, saying you know how well he's bowling, and he'll be in he'll be in there or thereabouts for Ashes contention. OK, well, let's start with that first match. We've, we've kind of talked about Warwickshire and the Hampshire game. We'll talk about that again. But let's talk about Essex against Surrey. Two unbeaten sides. Look, speaking to a, a couple of guys within the camp at the Oval, Essex are seen as the main competition, if truth be told. And if not for rain, you've got to feel that they would have been in a really good position to beat Surrey as well. They uh, they made 314 in first innings, Gus Atkinson. Coming into the Surrey side, Dan Worrell was rested for this one, 6 for 68. And Surrey lurching, really, 105 for 1, all out 240. A good lead for Essex, but day three washed out. Essex, in the end, threw their bat around on day four, 198 all out. Surrey went for it, but in the end, were holding on a little bit. Two wickets in two balls going the way of Simon Harmer. And uh, it required a, an obdurate innings from Jamie Smith, the 39 from 126 deliveries, to see them home. George, what was your take on this? Surrey got away with one, really, and Essex uh, showing they, they've got the batting and they've got well, the bowling. A lot of things. Well, I think I think that it was the highest score that Surrey had conceded this year and the lowest score they've been bowled out for. Both of those things reflect pretty well on Essex, don't they? So I think it's a result that shows... I mean, it's a brilliant result for Warwickshire, but it's also a, a very good result. Uh, it shows that well, it's a performance that shows that Essex are going to be there or thereabouts. And uh, it makes the game this week at Edgbaston, where I guess uh, are Warwickshire second and Essex third, I think so, look particularly appetising. I mean, if the rain ever stops, of course. But uh, yeah, I thought Surrey might run away with it this year, and Essex absolutely had the better of that game. Um, they've got a very, very good bowling attack, we know. I suppose there might be questions about how, how they would go away, how they would whether they would be as evenly matched at the Oval, I don't know, but... Um, it does suggest they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I'm not too much sure there's there's too much to offer. I mean, there was some criticism of Ollie Pope's dismissal. We've seen this we've seen this happen quite a lot. I don't know what you think, Harmy, if you've seen it. We've seen it quite a few times this season, advancing down the track first ball, jumping around the crease, really. It kind of works. Uh, when it works, it really works. Second innings, it looked like we were going to see maybe what we saw against Hampshire. It wasn't to be. But uh, essentially, sorry, do bat ridiculously deep as well. I mean, Jordan Clark coming in at nine, you know, they, they can go they can go about their work in the manner that they do at the top of the order, knowing that they've got a lot of batting to come. They're going to be a difficult team to bowl out twice. Yeah, they are. But Essex, the one thing that Essex has got probably more than, than most, I know Warwickshire have got a decent bowling attack, but they've got a steady bowling attack that are durable. It's the same bowlers all the time. You know, Cook and, and Porter and Harmer, they're, they're a very, very consistent unit, the Essex unit. So 
for me, that's why they'll they'll always be there or thereabouts. Ollie Pope against that sort of bowlers, you know, the seventy eight and eighty mile an hour bowlers that have got a, a little bit of a lateral movement. Yes, you can come down the wicket and, and try and smother the movement, and it works. And whether that is his tactic, and he thinks. I'm going to use that throughout the summer on flatter wickets against the Australian bowling attack. Well, I'd, I'd argue good luck with that one, you know, because a little bit extra pierce, a little bit extra bounce um, might just be a little bit, bit too much for him. But we've seen, you know, all these batters for England. Holly Pope's not the only one who, you know, from a shot selection point of view, looked up Ben Duckett's shots in this game. And you, you you look at that and you think, yes, that's what he's been trying to do in international cricket. But if he gets out in the ashes like that, there'll be a lot of people having a, a real pop. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that part of the summer comes. But at this minute in time, you looked at that result, Surrey, Lancashire, the only ones really that probably didn't benefit from. Because if they managed to get that last wicket, Lancashire would be, would be up there as well in around that top four. And it would have been Hampshire, the ones that really had the shocker this weekend. But... I think all in all, nobody really gained anything other than Warwickshire because obviously everybody else had a had a had a draw. Um, but the bowling attack, the consistency of the Essex bowling attack, is what I've I, I sort of quite enjoy. That that's why they'll still be there or thereabouts. But like George said, it's all well and good playing on your home patch, but can you do it away from home? And I think that will always be the question with when you're going to places like the Oval with the attack that they've got. Yeah, from a Surrey perspective as well, they've now gone to Warwickshire, Lancashire and Essex and they haven't been beaten. Two home games for them coming up against Middlesex and Kent. So we'll see how they go. Uh, Nick, let's talk about that Lancashire game. It's such a shame that the weather got involved because that could have been... Well, even even with the weather, it was a it was a really good game of cricket. A low-scoring affair, Lancashire 214 with Ben Hutton taking 5 for 66. We've got runs from Josh Bohannon, 68. And then knots in reply, 249. Uh, Hamid, three short of a century. Anderson didn't take a wicket. Uh, second innings, more runs for Bahannon um, as Lancashire made 329. And essentially, Knotts needed to bat out 67. I don't think they were ever really going to go for uh, go for the total. Lost six wickets inside 20 overs. Hutton and Clark batted out 30-odd overs. And then it needed the Night Hawk. Stuart Broad, three from 50. And then a nervy last over as well. Ollie Stone having to face five deliveries. And they got away with that. Uh, Knots got away with another draw. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lancashire really needed it, though, didn't they? It just means that they're still unbeaten, but they're still to win a game. Yeah, they keep on drawing. Well, it's interesting saying that Knots never really getting over it. I mean, obviously, it was Knots who, I mean, I don't know if that's the case, obviously lost a couple of early wickets, which might have nipped that in the bud. But obviously, it was them who lost their game to Middlesex a couple of weeks ago when they when they did dangle the carrot. And, and Middlesex did go for it and pull it off. So, um, you know, I guess as much as we probably talked then about how little value there is in the draw, you know, with the five points now, obviously lose what used to be eight points and and the encouragement that gives teams to chase stuff down. Um, I guess we have sort of seen the value of it in, yeah, I mean, from a Knotts perspective this week, you say with um, Stuart Broad particularly sort of battling out later on, but also also for Langs who are, yeah, and similarly placed to, I think, certainly our Glossar in Division 2 where played four games or have had all four interrupted somewhere by the weather or by conditions one way or another, which means they've played a lot of really good cricket and been on the right end of a lot of games, but haven't really been rewarded for them. Yeah, and as, as you said, I mean, as you said there, like if they, you know, if they take that final wicket there and you add what is it? So you add eleven points on onto what they got there for the win. Then suddenly they're up into I think they're, they're sitting four, a couple of points behind Essex and well in that chat with Surrey. And 
and Warwickshire. So it's funny, it's the fine margins, but it's also sort of, yeah, obviously the impact of the condition, impact of the weather, but also it's an interesting one. I mean, they, they're them, they're them six down for early, isn't they, in that, in that run chase. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's slightly more frustration than there might have been otherwise, having taken nine wickets in, in 67 overs against a, a good knot side. But, um, but yeah, they're in a tough spot. So without having done an awful lot wrong, but, but still yet to win, which is, I don't know how long that is sustainable for. <laughs> I'm after a rule change. I'm after a rule change. If you're if you're number eleven and you've hung on for best part of three overs, and you're Stuart Broad who's batted fifty balls for three, and Hartley bowls the last over, and he bowls a no ball in the last over as a number eleven, I should be well within my rights to say I do not want the extra ball. It was his fault for stepping over the line. I'll take the single. I don't want the extra one. I really don't. I've done my job. Can well, we have a rule change? Was in two thousand and five would have been. <laughs> is, is it just the number elevens? Yeah, can possibly. Can new- they, Ricky Ponting could have said, "No, nah, I, I won't take that no ball, Freddie." Yeah, don't want the new no ball. Yeah. Can you imagine that though? Broad, Broad standing there. He's got. He must have. Broad. He's must have had his helmet off, his gloves in his hand, thinking, "Right, one more ball. We've survived. I've survived fifty balls. One more ball, and it goes. And a good forward defensive. Thank you very much. Just about to shake the umpire's hand, and the umpire's got his arm out. No ball." Oh, can you imagine being at the strikers' end for that? I suspect, as as just an observation, I suspect that uh, people watching Lancashire supporters would have rather had Parkinson bowling at yes. that stage. Good point. Very good. Not point. Far, I, mean, uh, I think, but equally, that you look at Hartley's overall what is it? I mean, Hartley's contribution. He, he got a fifty. He got fifty in the second yep. innings, and that is a major part of what he. It absolutely brings in that, that, that in that last yeah. in that last in the in the, uh, the ending of the game. They would have wanted Parkinson. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that is, sums up the, uh, the dilemma the, you have. There is the quandary. Um, yeah. Okay. What did Hartley go for? One and a half and over? Which is, you know, yeah. sometimes great. But at that moment, you just wanted someone mm. someone with a bit more bite. You could absolutely, absolutely argue it from both sides. Hartley is the better all-round cricketer. But that's all. Uh, or equally, I, th- gonna, I think they're going to struggle to win home games because their pitches are flat. Yeah, and, and that's, Josh and, uh, sad, sorry, sorry, just just could say, uh, uh, and we don't want to that we don't want to create incentives to have poor wickets or, or not poor wickets, but Chelmsford wickets, result wickets. You might argue, but at the same time, you can see why people do it. Well, and, and you think there'll be a time soon where it happens every year, doesn't it? You get you tend to have a start like this where there are a lot of draws, whether it's last year because the pitches were so good or because this year where there's been a lot of rain. Where you will in a couple of rounds' time see the odds results pitch where, where you might not expect one because yeah you need points and you know shootouts and you can get marooned either mid-table or towards the bottom can't you so um there does come a time when for all the good cricket you've played if you're yeah if you're in Lancashire where you're looking at looking above you and wondering as as George says you know you can't just trust yourselves to play the perfect game every week and you've got to try and create something if if needs be if you if you've got genuine aspirations of winning the title they're pretty flat wickets, to be fair, at the Oval and at Edgbaston too. So, mm. I mean, you know, these these clubs, they're trying to do the right things, but it does seem a bit of disincentive. Well, I think, I think what becomes right. difficult is if you've got a very good wicket and then it rains for a day and a half. Because you're not going to force a result in, in two and three quarter days. Whereas, um, I mean, I, mean I, wasn't at, I wasn't at the GS Bowl, but I've, you know, seen the that game that I, I see we're coming to. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you look at, everyone's own conditions. I mean, Hampshire, if you take Rushworth out of this and then Warwickshire themselves out of it, actually, I mean, Hampshire, by A.D. Burrell's own admission, have a real problem with their batting. That's, But equally, they have for quite a while, you know, had this very 
sensible, effective modus operandi, whereas we get the runs that we get, and then we've got this, you know, re- really a gun seam attack, you know, in Abbas Abbott and, and Barker. But obviously, you're going to I mean, obviously Barker's injured at the moment, and and you're going to need more than thirty five for nine to to do something with that attack. I mean, you're not winning many games where Mohamed Abbas is your third top run scorer, but and actually um, they collapsed in the first innings too, didn't they? Well, I mean, yeah, well, this you is know, the issue. I mean, this is the issue it looks like nothing, but Felix Organ is. You know, Felix Organ's averaging eight and a half this season. Fletcher Middleton's, I think he's got 220-odd runs in, in seven innings. If you take James Vince out of it, he's actually had a brilliant start to the season, quite, not 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 necessarily quietly, but but he's not. he doesn't feel necessarily like he's the next man in the moment. He's perhaps not been talked about as much, but he's averaging, I think, close to 90 and got the 100 in the game that, that they won at, um, uh, at North Ants. And he actually got two unbeaten 50s in this game, which is completely out of kilter with the rest of everything that went on. But... They're very reliant on him and Nick Govins at the moment for for their runs. I mean, it's a batting lineup that isn't dissimilar in its foundations to Surrey in a sense. And there are a lot of all-rounders, you know, the likes of James Fuller, Liam Dawson, Keith Barker when he's fit, all, all sort of doing those. You know, Ian Holland's opened the batting and he's batting down the order. Felix Organ's opened the batting, but has also batted down the order. There's, you know, it feels like a lot of square pegs and round holes to an extent. And and that, I think, if you play that way, sometimes you are going to get found out and. I think they've struggled with that in certainly two, two or three of the all three of the four games they've, they've, they've won. I mean, sorry, they've played. Even the win against Knotts was, yeah, the work you know founded on the work of the bowlers rather than rather than big first any runs. Uh, guys, we're going to have to move on. Um, there was one other game in Division One: Somerset drawing with North Ants. North Ants two hundred fifty-five. Uh, Somerset in reply four hundred twelve. James Rue more runs for the young uh, wicketkeeper batter and a first century for Tom Kohler Cadmore for his new club as well. North Ants in second innings batting uh, the game out. Bit of rain as well. One hundred thirty for Sam Whiteman, who was another guest on the Cricket Collective. Mm. Uh, so go and check that out uh, on the following on feed. OK, that's uh, Division 1. Let's just have a look at the fixtures coming up this week. Ah, oh, Surrey versus Middlesex. Excellent at the Oval. Northampton versus Notts. Kent against Hampshire. And that match that uh, George mentioned, Warwickshire against Essex. That's the game of the week. Uh, Lancashire against Somerset as well. OK, that was Division 1 coming up very shortly here on following on County Cricketer. Uh, all the action from County Championship Division 2. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. OK, uh, three matches in Division 2. Let's start with that that game. Yorkshire against Glamorgan. It was a draw. Uh, Glamorgan hitting 245. Really, minus Labuschagne. Top scored in first innings with 65. Uh, Yorkshire then bundled out for 106 with uh, Labuschagne again hitting 170 not out. Glamorgan make 352. Yorkshire looked like they wanted to chase it down. Adam Lythe. 174 from 220. They were 243 for two at one stage. Uh, but then the wickets came and they had to bat out the final over nine down. Where do you start, Nick? That was a, a game and a half. Tim van der Googten, top of the the wicket takers in uh, Division 2 with Durham sitting this one out. I've been watching him throughout the season. He's uh, he's not a youngster. Played for Netherlands. Can you tell us a little bit about him and your thoughts about that match as well? Well, no, as you said, he's... Dutchman's National been at Morgan for quite a while now, hasn't he? And but actually he only did a he only did a bit of the damage. I mean, most of the damage was done by Michael Nisa, really, wasn't it? And that first inning spell from what was what 50 odd for two, that then about an hour later was 100, 106 for 10. I mean, weird game, wasn't it? I mean, Glamorgan didn't even get didn't get, didn't even get a batting point in that first innings, but then were 140 runs ahead and then never really felt like they were going to be behind the game again once obviously Labshane got his 170 odd and South Northeast had got his first I think, sort of proper score of the season, 60 odd, and you sort of felt the game was very much away from Yorkshire's. But I mean, talk about pitches early. I mean, must be a serious, I and mean, that's a serious pitch that you know you're, you're chasing 410 for nine and 90 odd overs in the fourth day, and still not, still not coming away with a win. Yes, I mean Adam Light called it one of the best knocks he played for Yorkshire, I think, and they did what they could. They John, they sent Johnny Bairstow out at number three in an attempt to chase that down. He nicked off a naught, so it doesn't can't, can't always work, but. um Bizarre game, I mean, yeah. I and mean, as you say, to go from 100, 100 ball out for hundreds with ch- nearly chasing 480 odds. Michael Neese taking seven from the first innings and going wickedless in the second innings. It didn't even get the new ball in the second innings, I don't think. It was, but yeah, you're another one of these teams who are playing a lot of good cricket without winning, aren't they? But you'd, you'd, you'd say that would have been quite the highest if they had won that, given the work that Morgan had done for three, three and a bit days. Uh, yeah, there were those grumbles, wasn't there, from Yorkshire fans early on in the season? I don't think the grumbles have gone anywhere anytime soon. George, have you got anything to add to that game, or shall we move on to that Worcestershire draw with Sussex, which we have well, spoken about? But uh... just just that, just that it's presumed that Johnny Bester's gonna that, that he's a fair chance of keeping wicket. I mean, I, I I don't know how he kept, but I did notice there were probably more buys that he might be comfortable with. Yeah, I don't know, one... a sixteen or something. I, I, I just don't remember that it's not that long ago since well, well, Ben Folkes, well, England went through, what did India score in Chennai? 350 or something. Um, they didn't concede a bye. I think it was a test record. I think I think with this being St. John's first game back, I'd say the more, more I'd say possibly the more important stat and keep in perspective is that he did 150 odd overs in the match. That's, I think, the more significant one. Um, yeah, that's fair. From a, from a Bearstow perspective, if we you know, any rustiness that they you know, would understandably have been is, you know, if that disappears for 150 all overs in the fields, and frankly, 150 all overs that actually came pretty close together, given that they were bowled out in 30 overs themselves in that first innings. I think he watched all the carnage from the other end, didn't he? He was, he called yeah, for two, night, he called for two out. night watchmen, ended up batting that evening anyway, and then had to stand there and watch a hat <laughs> watch a hat trick the following morning. So nothing appears to go his way there. And then obviously, yeah, fell for naught in the second innings, but just match time. And particularly if the keeping thing is, 
relevant. And if that's what he's looking to do, if that's what, you know, if that's a genuine chance for England this summer, then yeah, 150 overs across what was what two, well, yeah, three to two, two and a half days in, you know, in the field can only be a good thing. I would, I would have thought. Well, I think that's probably true. I, all I would, I, I'm not really worried about his batting at all. Are you? I mean, he'll, no, he'll he'll be okay with the bat, uh, given any sort of uh, chance. But uh, you know, it's it's a while since he's he's kept for that length of time or this length of time, and I, I think it's asking a lot, especially with five tests in six weeks. Well, it's six, remember? Oh, with Ireland, hmm. yeah. So six we- tests in eight weeks, or. Five tests in yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Uh, and I he's mean, gonna have to play. He'd have to play because he's not as though he's not gonna play against Ireland. He has to have a game before the first test, so it will be six. Uh, if he hadn't hadn't have been injured, he probably would have been the what? Well, he would have been ones that wouldn't play that Ireland because he'd been playing the IPL. But I've seen a bit of the the footage. I thought his movements looked quite good. I thought he looked quite bouncy on his feet. Took some good catches. Like Nick says, the 150 hours is going to do him do him well. Whether he's thought I'm 20 not out, I'm getting high and dry. I'm going in at number. I need to get a, a higher up the order, and it's backfired. But like George said, I don't think I'm worried too much about his batting. I just I just don't see him fitting in anywhere. And I think that number three going out at number three proved that Johnny's not a, a top. He doesn't doesn't bat well at the top of the order, unless Johnny Besto doesn't play in the Ashes. The only place I can see him fitting in is is, is behind the stumps. Well, look, I think that's a. Uh... Uh, uh, you know, we can all see that that's a possibility. It's a strong possibility, but there are definitely other options. And I, 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 well, I would pick. You know, I agree with you. He's a he's a high high class player. But then you're moving uh, pieces. Uh, then you're moving pieces that doesn't need. You're moving pieces that work, and that's worked. England are ten from twelve. So the only place yeah, yeah. the only place that if you took if you to move, I know you, you you're sort of a pusher for Ben Stokes to go and open the bat and you're moving Ben yeah, Stokes up and you're do. moving yeah. somebody in and you're moving people around. This is just one in, one out. Yeah, and that's that as a as a as a unit that's working. That would be always be my argument. If I'm going to make a change, don't make, bring one person in and change three three different people's jobs. It is a strong argument. Work. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I, the, the other thing I'd say is though that. I'm not sure that England are getting the best out of Ben Stokes with, uh, with the bat in recent times. I mean, I, I think again he's a very high class batter. I really do. I think I, th- I think he's very capable of opening the batting and doing well. I think he's a very good player of pace, good technique, and actually it might concentrate his mind and mm. he might get the best out of Ben Stokes rather than the let's try and get fifty off twenty five balls, Ben Stokes. But um, look, I think the, what you said, Harvey, is is very fair and, and probably the most likely. But I think. Ben Folkes is a very special cricketer as I well. I do as well. I do and, as well. And, and I think, yeah, I think we all do. You know, I, I, I'm sure everyone does. Um, and I think he he does things which are beyond uh, statistical proof, mm. such as standing up to the stubs and yeah. creating wickets in other areas, such as maybe uh, adding a bit of stability down the order with the way he bats. All, all these things that he can do. And God knows, you don't want to be dropping Labuschagne or Smith and having to get them out three times a game mm. rather than two. Uh, and I don't even think uh, Johnny would claim to be a better keeper than, than Ben Folks. But so, so you know, I, I guess these are these are great quandaries to be in because that middle order looks dauntingly mm. strong right now. Although you do wish as well that Joe Root was occasionally batting. Yeah, and mm. the, but to come just to pick your well, Harry point, Brook as well. Oh, yeah. no, he's not, um, the, just not what, the best six weeks of his career. No, but I, 
Well, I'm not bothered about Harry Brook on that on that sense. I think that no, no, I think he could do with a little bit of a break because I think mentally he must mm. be he must be mentally rooted at this minute in time for the simple fact he's probably been the, the box office player for the last six months in world cricket and most talked about. So that's going to have an effect adverse on mentally. Just on what you're saying there, George, about Ben Stokes, I agree with, but I don't think it's England are getting the best out of Ben Stokes. I think it's Ben Stokes who's not getting the best out of himself. He's trying to portray this team that you have got to go out and play freedom and go and this is how I want you to play. And he led from the front in a couple of his mm-hmm. early dismissals. I don't think he's recovered yeah. from that. I think the one person I think is struggling in this Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum era, from a batting point of view, is Ben Ben Stokes. Because I don't think he... I think he sometimes gets carried away. And some of the best innings we've seen is the ones that give him time to then explode, where he's trying to explode before he gives himself some time. So I think I profoundly agree with you. Hmm. But all I would say, you know, I profoundly agree with you. But they keep winning; Hmm. they keep winning. And so he would argue that if he is setting the tone and the tone is helping them win, then fair play. So maybe maybe Ben Stokes knows best, but I think he could be even better. And yeah, I, I just think he's selling himself a wee bit short as an individual player because I think he's capable of. Well, yeah, we know he's a good player. Of course, yes. there's no question on that. Okay, let's wrap up uh, Division Two. We've uh, we talked about Worcester versus that's Worcestershire versus Sussex, and the draw and uh, draw between Derbyshire and Leicestershire as well. And Leicestershire still unbeaten. Um, they were bowled out for 122 in first uh, innings. Henry Brooks, who we uh, heard Harmy talk about at the top of the show, was six of twenty. Derbyshire, 350 runs really shared around. And then uh, in second innings, Leicestershire. Well, thanks to Rishi Patel, Lewis Hill, and Peter Hanscom, those three again coming in with uh, with runs, battered them to safety, and uh, Dobshire had an over uh, to try and uh, uh, and, and Chris Wright, and Chris Wright, uh, batting at number Chris nine, Wright or number gets, ten, gets mm. quite a lot of runs for a, for a guy who bats nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. It's ten years since he, ten or so years since he went on an eight tour and was talked about as a potential England player. And and I reckon it's about 10 years before that since I first saw him play. I, I think I saw him play at a game at Fenners where um, Adrian Shanker was playing, which is why it sticks in my mind so much. That's 20 years ago, unless he's fiddling with his age. <laughs> um, he, he he started very young and he's gone on incredibly late. It's it's on the quiet, Chris Wright. You're he's right. a fantastic value for money cricketer. He's also and he's having a quietly brilliant having- career. He's averaging 102 with the bat this season as well. And he so also, he's having a lovely time of it. <laughs> and he also faced more deliveries than Rishi Patel, Lewis Hill, Peter Hanscom, and was one shy of 50. So, uh, so well done him. Lows to get in uh, and around this last section of the show. Uh, and we should mention, got to head over to the Cricketer. Online membership available for £3.99. That is less than a, lo- a latte or a latte. And gives uh, unlimited, well, it is in London anyway, uh, giving unlimited access to all our online content, including all of the championship match day coverage, news features, uh, George DeBell's uh, breaking news stories, uh, Nick Friend's articles as well. So there's loads and loads there. Head to www.thecricketer.com forward slash digital subs. We've also had loads of questions as well, some of which we've actually answered throughout the show. Barry Lee or at Lee Barry said, what's happened to Matt Parkinson? Does he have a future at Lancashire? Well, we kind of uh, were talking about that earlier on in the show. I think Lancashire. it was last week, was it? Mm. You well, know, we, he's, he, we... he's gone on loan to Durham in the last year of his contract. Looking at the way Durham doing things, you know, I don't have any great inside knowledge here, but if you were a betting man, 
I would suggest he might be at Durham in a year. Yeah, but he's going okay. back. He must be going back to Lancashire because Durham just signed Ijaz Patel from New Zealand. Yeah, I saw that, but presumably Lancashire will want him for the blast. You would think so, yeah. Well, they, they, I mean, Matt Barkson only ever, they only ever signed him up for two weeks because Matt Cooderman got injured. So, you know, there's there's been a, and obviously Todd Murphy before that. So <laughs> they've been through their spinners this season, Durham. But, um, yeah, just a, yeah, shot, I, I, a shot across the bow to say, is he available? Well, he is, isn't he? He is, because I've let him go on loan. Big Chris from Bristol says, how is Dale Benkenstein still in a job at Gloucestershire? Gosh. The club has gone backwards so rapidly under him. It's unfathomable. (laughs) unfathomable, Come on, you you can't have that. I'll defend my mate because uh, Benke was one of the best captains I ever played with. And he did do like godlike stuff with a bat or with a captaincy. But I'm not sure he's godlike to stop it from raining. You've lost eight days from rain this season. I'm, I, I, look, I've not watched a great deal of, of Gloucester's cricket, but you've lost a hell of a lot of, of days from rain when you're a couple of times you've been in winning positions. So give him a little bit more of a chance, please. I think he's also coming at... A, he's obviously, obviously the start of his second year now, but it's been quite a trans- transitional phase. If you think at the end of last season, they lost... Not lost, well, Ryan, Ryan Higgins, Ian Cobain, Benny Howell, and we all moved on, three pretty senior all-rounders in across the club and he came in at the same time as Steve Snell so began a new an entirely new structure performance director and head coach and also sort of two guys who actually were external appointments having I mean the previous lot had been if you think back it was well Ian Harvey was promoted after Richard Dawson left the ECB and pre-Dawson was John Bracewell and pre-Bracewell I think was Mark Lane was it so it's all been very internal I think that that, that was I think that was always going to take a bit of time on top of that they I think Clubs accounts have just come out of there. I mean, part of the reason for some of those old guys moving on is that that you know they is to try and help the club financially, um, which I guess work, works hand in hand with having a pretty young squad and a lot of new young players coming through. Obviously, got relegated last year. I think they're always going to struggle in Division One, and we just come out of Division Two in 2019, and then had those two years of not being in Div One during COVID stuff. So, I think it's been a pretty complicated time. For someone to take over, I would say. I would agree that they've not. I mean, they've not got a batting point this season. But but uh, you know, as Harmy says, someone like Dale Bankstein doesn't need telling that they've not batted well enough. I mean, they, they've got individually a lot of good players, and actually, the fact that they've not lost a game is, is really because they've pulled themselves together in the second half of games. So, I wouldn't worry too much about them. I think they'll get themselves together, and they've got a lot of very good cricketers in there. There we go. There we go. We've had uh, some other questions, but they are vast questions, so we're not going to answer these ones. Andy McGregor. Uh, talking about the, uh, the report into Cricket Scotland not being independent, the racism report there. We'll uh, talk about that next week. That's a massive topic. Thank you for that. Andy Hyam, what ideas do people have to improve the online and in-person attendance at first-class cricket matches? Um, well, maybe we'll, uh, we'll all think of one and we'll talk about that next week. And there was also a question about uh, the 100. Oh, yeah. If the 100 is scrapped, says De Frankland. I think he was already asked a question, actually. Should counties step up and host 18 professional women's teams? Again, we'll talk about all of that next week on Following on County Cricketer. Quickly, before the end of the show, four players to watch. Mine was Jamie Smith from Surrey. And uh, well, he batted Surrey out to a draw. George, one of your players to watch, uh, dismissed uh, Steve Smith. How did the other one go? I think he played, did he? I don't know. No, Who is didn't. that? I can't even uh, remember. Uh, Compton. Oh, he didn't Ken play. Didn't play. So, so he had a quiet week. And that's the only <laughs> thing that could stop him. <laughs> him, him and uh, Zach Crawley scored exactly the same amount of runs. Nick Friends, uh, how was uh, uh, how were your players? Well, Bristol, uh, Bristol, Bristol didn't play rather. So 
Tom Bryson play, Ali Hall nicked off with 30 odd, I think, to Ben Gibbon, which was like, I don't know, I mean, it felt like the, most, like the 20th most interesting thing that happened that was to Sussex game. So, so nothing, nothing major. Well, thank you to you two and Harmy. Mine didn't oh, play either. I see Darren didn't play, did no, they? Mine didn't play, so they did very well as well. You Big game text, this week, you though. Be texting Goffey. Big game this the week. Match. Durham's bowling attack, Potts, Cars. After having a week off, Durham have got a fine bowling attack. Johnny Bairstow, arguably, it's not quite test match attack, but it'll be a test match challenge for, for Johnny Bairstow, which will be good for all parties, I think. Very well put, very well put. OK, uh, we're going to have more Steve Harmison. If you're listening on the following on feed, he's going to be with Simon O'Donnell, a World Cup winner for Australia in Road to the Ashes. That will land in your podcast inbox on Friday at 5am and we'll be on TalkSport 2 at 9am. Uh, County Cricketer will be back next week, looking back at all the matches that we have made mention this week and Cricket Collective as well. Loads of cricket on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Uh, But for now, thank you very much for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.